Thank you, Anthony. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, good, uh, good afternoon. If I have to introduce myself, I will tell you that I am a European public affairs practitioner. In other terms, I am a European lobbyist. Since, uh, since a long time, and half of my career devoted to agriculture as head of uh, European sugar industry first and then as head of uh, European Farmers Union. This is why, uh, Anthony, you asked me to speak about agriculture. Yes. I am also uh, 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 an author and even a prolific one, and also with uh, an academic career and presently uh, at the College of Europe, both in Bruges and Natalin, where I am teaching Comitology. Have you heard about this word, comitology? One, two, <laughs> three, four, ah, four. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but a small proportion. So, comitology is a science of committees, and this is the hidden power of the European Union. So, we are very much in a lack of transparency unknown regulations, unknown procedures, and you have to know that 98% uh, of technical regulations are adopted through comitology. Glyphosate is comitology. Uh, genetically modified organism, comitology. Uh, CO2 emission, comitology. <coughs> and you see here the bureaucratic dimension of the European Union which is certainly a big uh, weakness. So, of course, for me, uh, Brexit is a big issue, and uh, as a lobbyist, I need to be a communicator, so I have a blog, and I am a guru blogger at euractive.com. And the day after uh, the Brexit, I wrote the first article, The European Union, 20 years in the wrong direction. I think uh, we, we only can understand uh, the uh, no vote or the yes vote of the UK citizens uh, regarding the context. And the context is an union going in the wrong direction. Why? Because we have enlarged too fast, we are too many, we have too many commissioners, it's a Mexican army. So we, we have a dilution, we are driven by the lowest common denominator. When, during the same time, we have a single currency. The single currency needs integration. The single currency is a federal tool. So we have a contradiction between the need of further integration for the country of the Eurozone and the dilution of the whole European Union. And this is building Euroscepticism and probably one of the reasons why the British voted in favor of the Brexit. These are different articles I wrote already in July 2016. I was I was uh, personally convinced that the Brexit will never happen. And I'm still convinced that the Brexit will never happen because the Brexit is, is fundamentally a technical issue, which was here emphasized. And a WTO issue. The WTO dimension of the Brexit is fundamentally important, as I will explain later. Have you heard the word WTO in the context of Brexit negotiation? No. Where is WTO? Nowhere for the moment. Nowhere for the moment. You have? Yeah, but you are the elite. <laughs> what about the rest? They're always talking about it, but they don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. So here we are in September 2016. 
a big improvisation by the UK. The UK uh, people, the UK authorities are very professional, they are very pragmatic, but in the case of Brexit, oh my goodness, what an impreparation. <laughs> this is probably a little bit shocking for you, but uh, never mind. America first, America first, and Global Britain for me are twins. This is also probably shocking. It's the illustration of my, my chronicle in my blog in June uh, last year. And to see the unpreparedness of the UK authorities. It's amazing, you know. One day we are in a soft Brexit. But soft Brexit means nothing. Uh, forget soft Brexit. The week after, we are in the hard Brexit. The week after, we are back to the soft Brexit, and the week after, we are in the cliff-edge Brexit. The cliff-edge Brexit, which is a nonsense, a total nonsense. But presently, we are clearly in the direction of the cliff-edge Brexit. <coughs> so I think it will be good to have a, a, a look on what we have uh, behind us. And this is very clear. As it has been said this morning, we are in the two years negotiations. These two years negotiations are ending in the end of March 2019. I must first of all tell you that if you want to have a referendum, this referendum has to be organized before the end of the two years period. It means that the referendum has to be launched in a year from now. What is for sure, and this has been said also this morning, here, UK is becoming a third party. Being a third party, you have nothing to say about anything. You are out. And the transition period, which is supposed to be a leverage, and which will be a nightmare, this bloody transition period will start for more or less two years, and during this period, you will have European Parliament election without the UK. And we will have the new commission without the UK. So here, we are clearly in a black box. Let's now have a look about the day after Brexit for, for agriculture. When you speak about agriculture, in reality, you don't speak only about agriculture. Yes, you speak about production, but you speak also about norms and standards and you speak about trade. So we will see the, the, the three aspects. So uh, what about agriculture? Agriculture and the rest. The day of the Brexit, you know, it will be a divorce treaty, a withdrawal treaty, and the great repeal bill. Great repeal bill. I think it speaks in English. It means that you will cut yourself from any EU regulation. <coughs> but you see the incredible number of regulations. Nearly 2,000 directives and more than 12,000 regulations. This is the Aki Communautaire. You know, a Bible is nothing compared to that. You know, it's a mountain of paper. So what is going on for the 27? Well, no problem. The Aki Communautaire from t for, 20, for EU 27 will become the Aki Communautaire for, e EU 20, uh, for EU 28 will become the Aki Communautaire for EU 27, and this is it. But what about the UK? Well, you know, for the UK, it's amazing. It will be the same. The regulations for the UK the day after the Brexit will be exactly the same as the day before the Brexit. You will take on board all the acquis communautaire, 
And then, potentially, you will be able to modify, but you can imagine with 15,000 regulations how long it will take. So you, you, you leave the European Union just to keep the same regulations the day after the Brexit. My goodness, this is a total nonsense and this is a nightmare. So what this means for agriculture? For agriculture, more or less, you have three models. You have the New Zealand, New Zealand model, no subsidy. You have the US model, more innovative, insurance schemes and anti-cycle um, uh, regulations, or the European model. The UK will pick and choose. For the moment, we have no information about what the government of Mrs. May wants. They said that they want a more sustainable agriculture, which means absolutely nothing. But they will, in my opinion, stay more in the direction of the present common agricultural policy. And you have seen the declaration, the recent declaration of your Ministry of Environment, guaranteeing the payment of farm subsidies in the same level that now for the UK farmers for five years. So during five years, and we, are, we will be there in 2023, you will keep the same level of subsidies as now, which is for me absolutely amazing. Now regarding the norms. You know, as we say in French, the British, they want the butter and the price of the butter. Or they want to have a cake, eat the cake, and keep the cake. This is exactly the situation for the norms and standards. You know, they want to be closed from the US, but never mind to be able to enter on the EU market. But here, the system is crystal clear. And this has been confirmed both by the EU and the US. Either the UK will maintain European standard and keep access to the European market, or they will opt for the US market and aligning themselves with US standards. And I can tell you that you will choose the first option and not the second one for the reasons that you have clearly explained this morning, the first speaker. Now what about trade? I will elaborate a bit more on trade. Trade is key. This is a memo, a long memo, 50 page, memo I wrote in November 2016 with Michel Jacot. Perhaps some of you know Michel Jacot. He's since here a top expert in trade. And being a specialist in agriculture, I needed the assistance of an expert of trade to write properly a memo because it's very, very complex. What do we see here? As UK and the EU are both members of the WTO, they will have to negotiate official WTO agreements in accordance with Article 24 of the GATT before the entry into force of the trade part of any future EU-UK agreement. Before. Before. And for the moment, as I have said, you are, we are absolutely nowhere. Then, the WTO has the experience of building custom unions. But they don't know how to dismantle a custom union. Because we have to dismantle a custom union. So if we have to dismantle a custom union under the agreement of WTO, probably you will have to organize a WTO panel, which will consume at least six months. But no, 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 uh, no demand at that moment regarding this very important issue. Then the problem of uh, bilateral and uh, multilateral agreements. Well, we have nearly 700 
700 multilateral and bilateral agreements. The last is a Canada one. The British have had a concession for exporting cheddar. Why to keep your cheddar in a future uh, Canada-EU27 agreement? No way. Keep your cheddar. You're out of the EU. Or give something in compensation. All that has to be negotiated. And what about uh, the former Commonwealth trade agreement? What about the lamb from New Zealand? What about uh, Mauritius sugar? What do we do with that? And all that has to be organized under the auspices of the WTO. And this is, of course, fundamentally important. Regarding trade, again, the British want to have the cake, the price of the cake, and the taste of the cake. They are interested by two options. Either a trade agreement including services. But all the trade agreements concluded by the EU are for goods, not for services. And in particular, not for financial services. So if you want to have a trade agreement, ladies and gentlemen, you will be out of the European financial <laughs> service passport. And if you have not the European financial passport, what about the city? You will become a regional financial center and not a global financial center, which is fundamentally important. And the other option is to become a partner of the EU, like Norway, like Iceland, like Liechtenstein. So you will have full access to the European market, but you will have to guarantee the free circulations of workers. What do you, re what do you refuse to do? So this option is out also. So why to leave? Now I will, I will devote the second part of my presentation to the transition period. You know, the title is very hard here. How the UK is putting itself in a coffin. You know, I, I wrote that on purpose. Why the UK is putting itself in a coffin? <coughs> During this period of 21 months, the UK will be considered as a third country. So, of course, you are very much in a, in a very negative position. You are out of the system already. You are an outsider. No longer have a commissioner. No longer have members of the European Parliament. No longer have any European civil servant. Continue to pay to the EU budget. Have to apply the acquis communautaire 100% and not able to sign any trade agreement. I mean, I say this is Cuba without the sun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is purely inconceivable. This is inconceivable. And if I have a message to pass to you and to the British authority, and if someone has here a tweet to send, this is the appropriate moment. <laughs> the good strategy for the UK is not the transition period. The good strategy for the UK is to enlarge the two years of negotiation. Yeah, you, you, you laugh, but this is possible to enlarge the two years of, negoci uh, of negotiation, you need to have the unanimity of 27 member states, but you will have it. I am firm, you will have it. So the strategy is to enlarge the two years negotiation period, negotiate white and see. One and year, I two years, three years. Simon Fraser make exactly the same point. Absolutely. 
and certainly not, certainly not, never, 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 ever enter in this ridiculous transition period, which is required by the UK authorities themselves. So finally, finally, I think we have to do everything possible to avoid that the UK can lose the face. If the UK is losing the face, this is bad for all of us. Because you have a lot to lose, but we have also to lose. For fisheries, we lose a lot. When we speak about the single sky, my goodness, a single sky for the UK will be a nightmare, another one. But we have here to be clear, being an insider of the EU since a very long time, I am a critical Europhile. I'm a pro-European in my gene, but I'm terribly critical about the way that the system is working. With no leadership, a bad governance, no political vision, and everything switching from uh, uh, democracy to bureaucracy. We are certainly to take on board the idea of, uh, of a double circle area. Uh, Delors already was uh, thinking about that, Verhofstadt, some others, me too, since a long time, to have a sort of federal circle or, or quasi-federal circle for the Eurozone, and to have a competitiveness circle for the UK, the Scandinavian, Poland, all that stuff. But this will not be enough. Who is the master of the EU? Are they the commissioner? Is Mr. Juncker uh, the master of the EU? Never. Mr. Juncker is the master of nobody. <laughs> the master of the EU is the lowest level civil servant. This is a desk officer, the little guy having a little pen in his little hand. This guy is the master of the EU. The EU is purely bureaucratic. Everything is complex, everything is opaque, everything is lacking transparency. You have no democracy there. The way that the laws are adopted through trilogues is unacceptable. The way that the committeeology is working is unacceptable. The way that the delegated acts are adopted is unacceptable. So we have a big task in front of us. It is our challenge. And I'm very pleased to be here at the Queen's College. But because I have still one minute in my slot, I think, I can give an anecdote. Where I was uh, in 2011, the guest, not of the Queen's College, but of the King's College <laughs> in London. And it was the Open Week, organized by the students. And the students asked me to be uh, the one able to conclude. And it was enthusiastic, it was extremely crowded. And I saw all the students very favorable to the EU, but very hostile to the prison bureaucratic union, no communicative union, uh, far from the citizens. And I understand, you can, you can multiply the, the referendum in Europe, you will have the same result. In France, we voted against the draft constitutional treaty and we have the Lisbon Treaty. But the Lisbon Treaty is as worse as the constitutional treaty was. And the Dutch voted against and the Irish voted against. It is a major initiative to take to relaunch the link between the EU and citizens and to rethink the European governance. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you.